Amen. You guys can have a seat. And as Andrew just read from Romans 8, uh, that's where you can open your Bible today, Romans chapter 8. That's where we're going to be for today's sermon. And again, I just want to reiterate a warm welcome to everybody who's here this morning. Uh, Always thankful to be able to worship with you guys and to be able to join you um, as we open God's word together and ask him to speak to our hearts. I also want to just reiterate again a warm welcome to those who are over at East and uh, joining um, via the service over there. Um, In 2006, a Christian author named Philip Yancey, some of you have heard of him, probably some of you haven't, he wrote a book called Prayer. And in that book, here's what he says. He says, prayer stands as the place where God and human beings meet. Prayer stands as the place where God and human beings meet. Yesterday, I went over to my in-law's house, and uh, when I pulled up to their house and looked in the driveway, there was a big truck in their driveway, and uh, a guy there was um, kind of dropping some things off and some wood and some, uh, maybe some mulch, other things. I don't know what he was doing for sure, but I saw that my father-in-law was uh, speaking to this man out in his truck, and I kind of just went up and kind of said hello and started listening in on the conversation, and very quickly uh, I, it became aware to me that my father-in-law was sharing the gospel with this guy uh, in his truck. And um, this man was responding and uh, talking with my father-in-law, and he, he shared how he recently had a moment where he was out on a job site, and um, he was just kind of at the end of himself, and in desperation uh, out on that job site, he just cried out, like, God, if you're real, show me. If you're real, show me. Maybe you've had moments like this in your life where you've just, you've just wondered, Lord, like, if you're real, show me. He said that a short time went by, and um, while he was working one day, uh, there was kind of a freak accident that happened, and a spike shot up at him and hit him straight in the neck. And, uh, you know, pierced his skin. He had to go to the hospital and have the spike removed and all. And the doctors told him um, on his way out, he said, you know, you're lucky. Just a, a small amount this way, and that spike would have severed your carotid artery and you would have bled out in minutes. And the man said to us afterwards, he said, he looked at me and my father-in-law and he said, guys, I think God answered my prayer. <laughs> I think he's talking to me. Prayer stands as the place where God and humans meet. Let me ask you a question as we get started today. Does God meet with you in your prayer time? Does he meet with you? When you pray, does God meet with you? Do you, do you sense God's work in your life? Do you, do you want that, you know? Like, um, sometimes I think we just, we just pray, but is there an anticipation in your heart that God will meet with you in your prayer life? Today I wanna talk to you about knowing God through prayer. This is week four of our sermon series, uh, simply entitled, Why We're Here. And uh, we kicked off this sermon series in week one really talking about the purpose of life. Why do we exist? We looked at 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 8, verse 6, and we said that our purpose in life is to be a God-centered purpose, uh, that we are called to live lives that are about God, not about ourselves. And so we can summarize our God-centered life with this very simple phrase, like, we exist to know God and to make him known. That's why we're here. And we've been emphasizing this week after week. So we believe that God is knowable, right? We believe that we can know him and we want to pursue knowing him in some very specific ways. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how we can know God personally by being born again. 
Last week we talked about how we can know God biblically through the truth of his word, and today we're gonna talk about knowing him prayerfully. Um, In this sermon series, we're laying out nine characteristics of a disciple that we want to pursue as people who wanna know God and make him known. Uh, So four of these nine characteristics have to do with knowing God, four have to do with making him known, and one is in the middle, central to both. All nine of these characteristics are important, and so we're dedicating a week to each of them as we move forward. Uh, It's gonna set the trajectory of ministry for our church. It's gonna build for us a framework of ministry as a church. And I am uh, thankful to be walking through these with you. But today, we're gonna talk about um, prayer as uh, such an integral way of really knowing and experiencing God in our lives. Uh, So today, again, very straightforward, big idea. We're talking about becoming wholehearted disciples of Jesus Christ. And our, our simple big idea here is to be a wholehearted disciple of Jesus Christ, you must know him prayerfully. You must know him prayerfully. And here's how I want to walk through today's message. I want us to look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to really kind of focus in on verses 26 and 27 like Andrew read a few minutes ago. But we are going to kind of see the the context of those verses by looking at some scripture around it. And as we look at this passage, we're going to really answer three questions. Again, the same three questions we're answering in every sermon in this series. When it comes to knowing God prayerfully, we're going to talk about what do we mean by that? We're gonna talk about why it's important to know him prayerfully and then how can we pursue it? How can we pursue it? And as we answer these questions, here's what I hope happens. Um, I do hope that we grow in our activity of prayer in our lives, but more important than that, I hope that we grow in our enjoyment of prayer in our lives. I hope that we anticipate prayer, that we something that as time goes on and we grow and God grows us, that it would be something that we look forward to because our conversations with God become real and we experience him. He meets us when we pray. Romans 8, knowing God prayerfully. Anytime we look at a passage of scripture, it's important that we don't just look at the text but the surrounding context. So let me remind you of what's going on here in, you know, by the time we get to Romans chapter 8. The book of Romans is called Romans because why? Because it's written to uh, a, bunch, a bunch of Christians who live in the city of Rome. It was written to them by the Apostle Paul just decades after Jesus' ministry on earth, his death, his resurrection. This church is filled with new believers. They are coming to faith in Christ and, and Paul is teaching them uh, about the realities of what it means to really know God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in chapters one through three of the book of Romans, the apostle Paul emphasizes how sin is real and that we are sinners separated from God and under his wrath unless, we, uh, have, unless a way has been made for us to be forgiven and, and have our sins removed from us. And then in chapter three and four, the Apostle Paul talks about the good news of how our sins can be forgiven. Chapter four and five are all about how we can have peace with God uh, through the forgiveness of our sins. Uh, he calls it the being justified where we're made right in God's eyes through faith in Jesus Christ. Chapter six and seven of Romans uh, talk about how we, when we become saved and forgiven of our sin and, and we've come to know God, then what happens? We are made alive in the spirit that the Holy Spirit of God comes to live within us and make us alive and we start dying to sin in the old ways. And then when we get to chapter eight, the apostle Paul is talking about 
life in the Spirit? Like, what does it look like to live life led by God the Holy Spirit with Him at work in our lives? And you kind of read through chapter 8 leading up to verse 26 and 27, and you see that the Apostle Paul talks about how we as people living life in the flesh here as human beings, right? Our flesh is weak, it struggles, it, it groans, just like all of creation, uh, because we want to see God make things right. We, we groan for the day of redemption when God makes all things as they should be once again. So all of that leads up to what Paul says here in Romans 8, verse 26 and 27, which says again, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to, will of, to the will of God. In this passage, we get a little glimpse into what it means to know God personally through prayer. I want us to get into our three questions. What does it mean? What does it mean to know God prayerfully? In the coming season of life in our church, we're going to talk more and more about the importance of prayer. We've started emphasizing this last month when we preached through the Lord's Prayer. If you've been at our church for the past couple years, you know that we've been ratcheting up our ministry of prayer. Uh, you, we're going to be emphasizing as, as disciples the importance of knowing God prayerfully. So here's what we mean when we say that. What does it mean? Knowing God prayerfully, prayerfully means regularly communicating with God by praying in the Spirit throughout the everyday stuff of life. Very simply stated, right? Regularly communicating with God by praying in the Spirit throughout the everyday stuff of life. Again, Romans 8 emphasizes the role of the Holy Spirit in our prayer life. Verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we don't know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes. Verse 27 the God, the one who searches our hearts, knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints. So all that to say, at a very basic level, you got, you, we have to understand, when it comes to knowing God prayerfully, we have to understand that the Holy Spirit is involved in the ministry of prayer. The Holy Spirit can help us. The Holy Spirit can intercede for us. God the Father knows the mind of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows the will of God the Father. So in our prayers, we as Baptists who sometimes uh, get a little nervous about the Holy Spirit, we've got to become comfortable with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit if we are going to have a vibrant prayer life. You guys with me on this? No more kind of setting aside the Holy Spirit. If you and I were brand new, you know, believers who kind of read through the book of Acts, especially in the New Testament, we would understand that learning to believe in and live life by the power of the Holy Spirit, like you can't ignore it if you read through the New Testament. Um, it would be something that would be unignorable to think that the doctrines of the Holy Spirit can be minimized. And I don't think any of us intentionally minimize the doctrines of the Holy Spirit, but practically and functionally on a day-to-day -day level, I think we often do. So the doctrine of the Holy Spirit is obviously intricately tied into our belief as a church in the doctrine of the Trinity. The doctrine of the Trinity means that we believe that there is one God who exists in three persons. The Bible teaches that the Father is God, that Christ the Son is God, that the Holy Spirit is God, yet at the same time, uh, 
all of these are, are distinct persons, yet one God. They're, and so I just wanna make it clear. As many of you would say amen to this, and you guys get it, some of you guys may need some clarity. As Christians, we do not believe in three gods. Right? We believe in one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And obviously the doctrine of the Trinity you know, is, a, is a mystery. Uh, it's hard to, to fully uh, grasp. It's impossible to fully grasp. But I also just want to say that the purpose of this sermon is not to explain the Trinity. So we're not going to necessarily be attempting to do that today. I'm just trying to set the stage that we as Christians, we say pretty regularly we believe in the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh, that we believe in the Holy Spirit. But functionally, especially in our prayer lives, I wonder how often we really, do we just ignore the work of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, according to Romans 8, helps us, intercedes for us when we pray. And so the scripture oftentimes calls us to uh, pray in the Spirit. And uh, I'll just read a couple of these passages for you. Ephesians 6, verse 18 says, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. Jude chapter 1, verse 20 says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Holy Spirit? A simple explanation, probably the best explanation I can give is that we pray in connection with the Holy Spirit. We, we pray by means of the Holy Spirit. We pray with the help of the Holy Spirit. We pray under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. This is what it means. This is what Paul means when he says in Romans 8 that the Spirit helps us and intercedes with us during our times of prayer. So knowing God prayerfully, right? We're talking about what it is. Knowing God prayerfully means regularly communicating with God by praying in the spirit, led by him, under his influence, through the means of him, throughout the everyday stuff of life. That's the answer to our first question. What does it mean to know God prayerfully? Well, here's the second question. Why is this important? Why is it important? There's a lot of reasons why this is important that we pray in the spirit but there's at least two that we're gonna look at today that are directly connected to our passage here in Romans 8. And I wanna point these two out to you. Maybe we'll come back to this at a deeper level in a future sermon series, but at least two reasons why praying in the Spirit is important. It's because of this. Here's number one. Because prayer accesses the Spirit's strength in our weakness. Prayer accesses the Spirit's strength in our weakness. Again, Romans 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Guys, we are weak people, aren't we? Like we, we don't like to think of ourselves that way, usually, but the reality is we're weak. We're weak physically. We're human beings. We're not superheroes. The scripture says that God never sleeps, never slumbers, he never tires, right? Well, we're not God, right? We get weary, we grow tired, we sleep and we slumber. Um, I was reminded this week of when Jesus was, you know, and the night before he was crucified, he goes to pray in the garden and he asks his disciples to pray with him. And uh, he comes back to them and he finds them what? Sleeping. And what does he say? Could you not pray with me for one hour? Right, he finds them sleeping. I don't know about you. Anybody fall asleep when they pray sometimes? Right, like some of you did not raise your hands. I saw you. You know who you are. Uh, I just find it, you know, 
it's, <laughs> I laugh at myself sometimes because, you know, I'll be going to bed at night. Rachel and I, you know, sometimes we pray together at night. Other times, you know, it's just kind of me personally praying. And it's like, dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for the blessings of this day. And I just want to give you thanks. And, oh, yeah, Lord. Uh, you know, and you just wake up and you're, you feel embarrassed, you know. But pretty soon you just catch yourself in the middle of a snore, you know. Like, uh, and it's you're just keeping it real with you guys. Like, the Lord knows how we are, right? The Lord knows that... Uh, our, that the spirit is willing, but our flesh is what? Weak. Our flesh is weak. It's not just that we get weak and tired. Our, our flesh is also weak in the sense of, guys, we get, we get ailments. We get sick. Uh, our bodies break down. Just this week, I've been uh, contacted by people in our church who uh, have been asking for prayer requests uh, that are health-related, a young boy with... Uh, a heart valve issue, you know, we've walked alongside brothers and sisters in this room today who've gone through cancer and surgeries, and we have a brother in our church right now who's hospitalized with COVID. We've, you know, got people in our church with terminal illness. I mean, this is, it's very obvious that our bodies are weak, and sometimes that can make us kind of experience weakness when it comes to our prayer life because we're just worn down, but guys, Who has God given us to help us in the moments of our weakness? God has given us himself. God has given us God the Holy Spirit who helps us when we pray in our weakness. We need to know that we can talk to him prayerfully even when we're physically weak. But the reality is, guys, to me, when I read Romans chapter eight, when Paul talks about our weakness, He may be talking about physical weakness. I think it's more likely that he's talking about our spiritual weaknesses, our spiritual struggles, because we're reading Romans chapter eight, and if you look back just a few verses earlier in Romans eight up to verses five through seven, the apostle Paul talks about the spiritual realities of our lives. If you look at verse five through seven, he says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Guys, the Apostle Paul is, is reemphasizing something that is you know, uh, it's so important for us to grasp, right? We, we live a life as, as Christians where our flesh wars against the, whole, against the spirit. When Paul talks about our flesh, right, what is he talking about? He's talking about the parts of our, our earthly bodies that are still drawn to sin, the parts of our lives in the flesh that aren't yet fully surrendered to God and can be drawn into temptation and the things of the world. And Paul is saying that there's, there's two ways to live. You can live by your flesh or you can live by the spirit. We're either gonna live one way or the other. When we live by our flesh, we're just gonna be thinking about the things of the world and and the physical things that are in front of us, the temporal things, and all those things lead to death, ultimately. There's no real life there. But when we live by the Spirit, our mind is set on the things of God. We're hungry to know Him. We wanna know eternal realities. And the Spirit and the flesh are not friends, right? They're enemies. They're hostile to each other. They do not get along. They cannot mix. You You either live by one or the other, the Spirit or the flesh, and I'm pointing this out to say, I think this is why many of us struggle in our prayer lives. I think everybody, if I were to ask you, hey, could you, could you, you know, uh, 
have a stronger prayer life. I think that probably all of us would raise our hand. But the reality is that it's the sin of our flesh that oftentimes can cause us to struggle in our prayer life. And here's, here's what I mean. Some people, I am convinced, don't pursue life in the Spirit because they're actually afraid that God the Holy Spirit will talk to them. Because here's the thing. If we opened up our hearts totally to God, we said, Lord, speak, my heart's open to you. Speak to me, I wanna hear from you. I wanna hear through your word. I wanna have your Holy Spirit illuminate my eyes to the truth of, of what you're saying. Lord, my heart's open to you. Here's the thing. I think some of us are afraid that if we actually got that intimate with the Lord and said, God, speak to me, I'm af- I think we're afraid he would actually speak. And when he'd speak, then we would have to decide, are we gonna listen or not? Are we going to obey or disobey? Are we gonna surrender or are we gonna rebel? Are we gonna open our hearts to what he's saying or are we gonna harden our hearts to what he's saying? I am convinced that some of us don't pursue a real prayer life with God because we don't actually want to hear what we know he's going to say. We don't wanna hear him say, love your enemy. We don't wanna hear him say, Forgive as you've been forgiven, as the Father has forgiven you. We don't want to hear him say, husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Give yourself up for her. We don't want to hear God say, wives, respect your husband. We don't want to hear him say, children, honor your father and mother. We don't want to hear him say, where your treasure is, your heart's going to be there. We don't, we don't want to hear him say these words to us. So what do we do? We just... We avoid an intimate, real time of prayer. What does that reveal about us, guys? It reveals that we are weak people. We're not just physically weak, we're also spiritually weak. And it can be convicting to think that through. What's our real reason for not pursuing a life of prayer? It can be convicting, it can be hard to admit that we're weak. It can be hard to admit that we're spiritually weak. But here's what I want you to understand today. Every one of us in this room, coming to the place where we admit our weakness is a great place to be. It's a great place to be. What does the Apostle Paul say about his weakness in 2 Corinthians 12? The Apostle Paul says, uh, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. When we come to realize our lack of self-sufficiency, that's when we start to actually see God's sufficiency. It's when we get to the point where we finally admit that we can't that we start to see that he can. It's important that we know God prayerfully by praying in the Spirit because that's when we experience the Holy Spirit's strength during our moments of weakness. That's the first reason why this is important. But there's a second reason why knowing God prayerfully by praying in the Spirit is important. Here's the second reason. Because prayer accesses the Spirit's words when we're wordless. It's not just that prayer accesses the Spirit's strength in, in our weakness. It's that prayer accesses the Spirit's words when we're wordless. Likewise, the Holy Spirit, verse 26 says, for we do not, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. 
Pray for as we ought. What an interesting phrase, to pray as we ought. Do you ever get hung up on like, uh, how should I pray? Like I think sometimes, you know, at least for some of us, we can get hung up on that. How exactly should we pray? The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, pray like this. And we, he gave them the Lord's Prayer. Does that mean we as people should just repeat verbatim the, the Lord's Prayer and just let that be that? I don't think so because we see other places in scriptures where people prayed other ways than just repeating the Lord's Prayer. But we get hosts so hung up on our methodology. Should we pray with the Acts model? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Should we pray 17 Hail Marys before bed at night? Should we pray and now I lay me down to sleep? Right? Should we, what, what should we pray? We, we come up with all these methodologies and, and you know, some, I do, I actually think that sometimes those things are helpful but we can get so caught up in the methodology that we forget the basics. And the basics is this. Guys, we're to pray to God as our father and as his kids, right? We are his children. So some of us, I think we, we, we pray and we think that God's gonna grant our prayers or something if we just use the right words and the right phrases and we uh, you know, uh, put enough theological terms out there that somehow maybe we've impressed God and he would hear us or something. And I, I just think that the Lord looks at us and he just probably smiles. You know, like, like if my kids came to me, I wrote, like, I wrote this down. If my kids came to me, I, I come home from work at a, uh, at a day at the church here, and if, my, if I walked in the door and my kids said to me something like this, Hail, O thou reverend pastor of University Baptist Church. Didst thou have a pleasurable trek at thine ecclesiastical enterprise this work day? Welcome to the locale of thine habitation. Grantest thou me a small portion of thine abundant bankroll, such that I may procure the necessities of mine technological extracurriculars? <laughs> I, would, I would be like, who are you and what have you done with my son? Like, you know, like, when really it would just be fine and it would be better actually if my kids just came to me as they were and they said, hey dad, hope you had a, day, a good day at work, glad you're home. Could I borrow a few bucks to purchase a video game? <laughs> right? Like, my kids don't have to impress me with big words. I love them. They have my heart. Right? Like, how much more so the Heavenly Father? Guys, we get, <laughs> what are we doing when we think we're going to impress God with our big fancy terms? And what is he, he, he wants us to pray authentically from our hearts. He, he knows our hearts. We can't fool him in any way. God has set his spirit into our life. And what does the work of the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit reminds us, the Holy Spirit causes us to understand that when we have trusted in Christ and become believers, that we are God's children, and now we cry out to him, Abba, Father. Again, Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, right? So the Holy Spirit is the one who even helps us understand God is our Father, we are his children. And so we cry out to him through the Holy Spirit, Father, Daddy, Papa. It's personal, family language. I think it's interesting, though, that uh, sometimes our kids, when they cry out for us, they don't even know exactly what they need, right? Right? You ever had those moments with your kids where something happens and uh, they get really hurt or really scared 
and uh, they're, they're really, they're panicking or they're freaking out and you come to them and you ask them, hey, t- tell me what's going on. And they can't actually articulate the words because they're hurting too much or they're so scared. They can't put it into words. All they can do is kind of call your name and then just kind of, you know, kind of just freak out. They don't know how to express what's really going on. I think there's sometimes we can experience something similar to that in our prayer lives. We don't exactly know how to put into words what we're really trying to ask God for. We don't know how to put into words the, the articulation of you know, his will for our lives and, and our desire to, you know, to, to follow his will. We don't know how to say it right. I, a, a recent experience of this for me personally was just earlier this year when our uh, good brother Jim Jennings was in the hospital shortly before he passed. And I remember going to visit him in the hospital and at hospice and you don't know how to pray all the time, you know? Like, does God want to heal him? Or does God want to call him home, home to heaven? So should we pray for, you know, Jim to, to hang on and stay here? Or should we pray for him to go home to heaven? And G- Jesus told us, like, you know, uh, Father, I, I pray that my people will be with me where I am, right? Like, uh, that's one hand. On the other hand, sometimes Jesus prayed and said, you know, Father, heal this person, right? And so it can be confusing. It's hard to know what we should pray. Lord, is it this or it's that? Lord, do you want them here? Do you want them to take them home? It's hard to know what to pray for as we ought to pray. Maybe you understand what I mean. Like, it's hard for us to know exactly what God's will is and to pray according to it. Sometimes we're just wordless before God and like, all, the best we can give is a groan, right? We just, we're just out of words. One of the pastors who I like to listen to from time to time, his name is Sinclair Ferguson, he's a Scottish pastor. He tells a story uh, that ties right into this. He says, when I was a little boy, I used to be taken in the summer to the northern coast of Scotland to see my mother's relatives. My mother had a cousin who had been grievously ill when he was just recently married at the age of 21, and he had become absolutely paralyzed. He couldn't speak. He used to sit in a wheelchair, and from time to time, he would make guttural groaning noises. And I began to notice that every time these groans came from him, the woman whom he had married when he was 21 would appear by some, it seemed, mystical gift of interpretation and give him exactly what he wanted. That story struck me because I feel like sometimes that's just kind of how we are. Like, we... We feel paralyzed, we're at a loss, we're totally broken. We, we lose our job and we're scared of, of how things are gonna be provided for. Our child is in rebellion or making choices that we just can't believe that they're doing. Our, our family falls apart, our spouse abandons us and we're totally perplexed about it. We get a medical diagnosis that we never saw coming and it's crushing our spirit. A loved one passes away and we're grieving. In those moments, guys, isn't it true? Sometimes it feels like all we can offer God is a groan. This is all we have. We don't have the words. And we certainly don't know how to pray according to God's will because sometimes we don't know what God's will is. And Romans 8 is so encouraging me here because it says this, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit. Romans 8, 27. Because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. What a blessing to have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, helping us know God prayerfully, specifically knowing God's will 
The Spirit knows the Father's will. The Father, the one who searches our hearts and minds, knows the mind of the Spirit. What a blessing to know God prayerfully by praying in the Spirit. Do you have a life where you pray in the Spirit? Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. We've talked about what it means to know God prayerfully. We've talked about why it's important. Let's hit the final question. How can we pursue it? How can we pursue a life of knowing God prayerfully in the spirit? Individually, here's a very simple response from each of us. Individually, would you ask God to make you a person who prays in the spirit? Have, I wonder, how, you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but I wonder how many of us have actually said like, Lord, would you teach me what it means to be a person who prays in the spirit? Like we don't need to be afraid of that. The scripture talks about that. The scripture commands that of us. Would you be willing to open your heart? Would you be willing to open your heart? Lord, teach me what it means to pray in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit, again, praying in connection with the Spirit, praying with the help of the Spirit, praying guided by the Spirit. And let me just say from the beginning, like some of you, if you open your heart to that, here's what you know from what we said earlier. You know that the Holy Spirit's, the first place he's gonna guide you is straight to repentance. Because some of us have been avoiding a sincere prayer life because we've been cherishing sin in our hearts. Not everybody in this room, but maybe some of us. And if you know that you have avoided prayer life, a true intimate prayer life with God because really there are things you don't wanna talk to God about and you don't want him talking to you about it, your first step being a man or a woman who prays in the spirit is to trust that he may lead you to repentance. I don't say that to be harsh as a pastor, but I I say it to be true. Guys, here's here's the reality, and all of us in this room know this. We, We do what we want to do. Everybody in this room, we do what we want to do. And so if, if we took a survey and said, like, hey, how many of us need to grow in our prayer lives? I bet almost all of us would raise our hand or say yes in the survey or whatever. But here's the thing. We all do what we want to do. You're going to leave this room today. You're going to do what you most desire to do. And I think we have to be honest in, in our church and in our lives individually. I think we have to be honest and say, you know what, Lord? Uh, if I'm honest before you, I guess I really just don't want to pray well, what's that indicative of? It's actually like, I actually don't, I guess I don't want that close of a personal relationship with you. I think in our lives in America, we get so used to comforts and regular, kind of just going about our business and our easy, nice, comfortable lives that we just get used to to kind of life and we, we kind of live our way thinking like, I don't really know if I need God, even if we would never say it out loud. But a lack of a prayer life, what does it show? It shows, it's an indicator that we think our life is fine without God. So praying in the spirit may mean we have to start with getting honest about God. Maybe we don't need to just get honest with him about our sin, but maybe we just need to learn to get honest with him about our, you know, about the realities of our life. You know, we don't need these big flowery words and no over-spiritualization. Just, just talk to your father. He knows you. Let me remind you, everybody in this room, like he knows you the best and he loves you the best. 
He, lo- he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you better than your best friend knows you. The worst parts of who you are and he loves you. He's your father, he loves you. So talk to him for real, keep it real with God. I remember the first time that I was ever honest with the Lord, I think, in my prayer life because I was so mad at God in my heart but I felt like I couldn't, talk, I couldn't actually tell him that as if he didn't already know. And I remember coming to an altar call in a church service one time and just really pouring my heart out to God saying, I'm, I'm mad at you. Why does this happen and this happen? And I don't know what it was, but I th- that's one of the first honest prayers I remember praying. <laughs> and something about that changed the sincerity of my prayer life. Not, not that I'm always super, this super sincere guy, but when it comes to my prayer life, but there was a, a personal intimacy that started to grow with the Lord in that moment. So be honest with the Lord. I think a lot of us, we hear people use the word prayer warriors. And some of us are like, I just, I don't feel like a prayer warrior. I feel like a prayer wimp. Like, I'm just like, what am I, right? Like, praying in the spirit, guys, praying in the spirit is not about being loud when you pray. Praying in the spirit is not about being emotional when you pray. Praying in the spirit is not about speaking in tongues and you know gibberish and babblings. It's, it's not about some of this stuff. Praying in the spirit is simply following the spirit's lead as he leads you toward the Father's will. So will you open your heart and say, God, teach me to pray in the spirit. I wanna know your will. He'll lead you toward his will. What's your step? What's your step today to become a person who prays in the spirit? Would you open your heart to that individually? Collectively as a church, how can we pursue praying in the spirit as a church? Guys, uh, I feel like I've preached a lot on prayer over the past year and I keep reemphasizing this same point, but I'm asking you to join me in praying, in becoming a church of prayer. We don't just want to be a church that prays sometimes. We want there to be a culture of prayer in our church. Sometimes we look at the explosion of the early church and, and we wanna see it again. You, maybe you read the scripture, you hear of a revival movement somewhere and you start to say like, Lord, that's what we want. That's what we want to see. We long to see a powerful move of God among the church in our lifetime. Guys, we need to remember this the early church was powerful because it was prayerful, right? Like, it, it, the Holy Spirit, they believed in the Holy Spirit, they depended on the Holy Spirit to work, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to prayer. So if we want to see God move in power, then we must be willing to move in prayer as a church. We've, we've gotta decide, are we satisfied with just kind of life as usual, church is fine, or are we saying, God, we want you to move in power. When we decide we want to see God move in power, we will become a prayerful church. In some ways, I love where our church is. Our church is incredibly strong in prayer in some ways. It's amazing to me that we can get a prayer request sent here, and within just a few minutes, Harry Steck is sending it out on a prayer alert, and it goes out to hundreds of people, and people are praying over these things. It's a blessing to know that our deacons pray over the individual names and needs of all of our church members on the regular basis and they reach out to people personally when there are needs that arise and and the, the sincerity of prayer among our deacons is real and I love that. But guys, I do think the Lord wants to grow us in some specific ways of praying as a church. Yes, our church is good for, is good at praying for the sick and the needy. 
But guys, uh, can I just say this? I think the Lord doesn't just want us to be a church that prays for the saved. I think the Lord wants to grow us as a church who prays for the lost. Is there a lost person in your life that you're praying would come to faith? I think our church is really good and it's natural for us to pray with thankfulness when we see God's blessings. When we have prayer meetings and various prayer gatherings and we open up a time for people to give thanks, usually people just pray and pray and you don't have to prompt people for that. But here's the thing. I don't think God just wants us to pray with thanks over the things that he's done. I think God wants us to pray with passion for the things we want him to do. Like, what do we want? If I was to ask you right now, like, what do you want God to do in our church? Like, is there an answer in our hearts? I I hope that as time goes on, we start to sense the Spirit's leading. What is God's will for our church? And collectively, we pray, not just with thanks for what he's done, but with passion about what we want him to do. I'm so grateful for our church's prayer team. Every week, every Sunday during our 950 service, we have a prayer team that meets right in this little back room in the corner over there. And you can join them any service if you'd like to. But I look forward to the day when we have a more developed ministry of prayer as a church, where when we have church services, we have a prayer team that's available to pray with people right after our service is done. That we have a prayer team that's willing to go to people's homes when they're sick and lay hands on them and pray over them. When people have specific needs, that, they, that we know that we have a vibrant prayer ministry in our church. And I'm asking the Lord over time, this next season of life, Lord, would you grow a prayer ministry, a real uh, a culture of prayer within our church? Things like this, like last Sunday night after our members meeting, it was everything was done. We had a really sweet members meeting together. And I just kind of look out and right back there in the middle of the room, there are three ladies who had just grabbed each other's hands and they were just praying together. It wasn't scheduled. It wasn't asked of them. The Spirit just let them to do it. They grabbed hands, they prayed, boom. I wanna see that become a mark of our church where the culture of our church is just, we, we default to pray. So individually, Will you ask God to make you a person that prays by the Spirit? Collectively, would we ask God to make us a church that, is, uh, that prays by the Spirit? It's a culture of prayer in our church. I gotta wrap up. So to be a wholehearted disciple of Jesus, we must know him prayerfully because prayer stands as the place where God and human beings meet. Will you meet him in prayer? He'll meet you there. Let's pray right now. Father, even as I open up my mouth to pray to you in this moment, remind us of the spiritual realities going on even in our hearts and in, our room, in this room right now. Lord, that when, even as I pray right now, trusting you that this is not just some formal way to end a sermon, Lord, but this is, this is me now, Lord, just speaking to you as my Father and as the God of heaven and as the head of our church. Lord, you know the ways in which each and every one of us struggle in our prayer life. You know the true motivations and the reasons why. So Lord, search our hearts. Search. We can't hide from you, Lord. Search our hearts. Show us where sin has crept in. Show us where we have idolatries. Show us any parts of our hearts that are hardened or becoming closed off to you. 
Lord, search our hearts. Lord, would you make us a church that doesn't just sing that we need you or say that we need you, Lord? Would you let us believe it deep in our bones that we, we need you, the Lord, that apart from you we can do nothing. We can bear no spiritual fruit apart from you. And so, Lord, we need you right now. And in this, you promise, Lord, that your word will not return empty. So, Lord, I need you to keep your promise. Keep it in the hearts of all those who have heard your word today. Don't let your word come back empty. Lord, I need you and the power of your Holy Spirit to stir us up, Lord, where we would be unsatisfied, discontented in our hearts with business as usual and living life, not really being mindful of your Holy Spirit. Make us unsatisfied with that and give us a, a righteous discontent to where we, Lord, we start to believe that you actually are our Father who loves to talk to his children and that you will meet with us when we open up our hearts to you in prayer. Lord, Grow us, Lord, as your disciples ask, Lord, teach us to pray. Would you do the same thing here at UBC, Lord? Teach us to pray. Thank you that you hear our cries, that your ears are not deaf to us. Thank you that you hear us. And so, Lord, even now in this prayer, we ask that you would hear us as we pray in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen.